Hello, welcome. Welcome to Advanced Mission, where we keep you informed and up to date on what is happening in global missions, local outreach, and church multiplication through the lens of County Line Church. I am Outreach Pastor Chris Kazmier. And I'm Multiplication Pastor Mary Ellen Rail. Awesome. We have with us today Patrick and Jamie Noctegal, and they are the regional co coordinators for Three Worlds for Europe and the Middle East. So we're, we're, yeah, we've been supporting them for, for many years here at County Line, and we're excited to talk to them. We talked to Nate and Stacey Tapman last week, who are the associate regional coordinators. And so they are the associates to them. <laughs> so, oh. <laughs> that. Yes. <laughs> so let's just jump right into it. So the two of you guys actually you guys started Three Worlds. So can you tell us how that vision came to be and how you went about creating it? Yeah, well, both Patrick and I are um, from missions-oriented families. Our parents and our grandparents um, were missionaries. And so we both have, have just grown up in the world of missions, seeing, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, and so after we had served about nine years in Hong Kong, and we were approached uh, to consider becoming the regional coordinators for Europe and the Middle East. The big thing on our minds was if we're going to, to step into a role like this, we want to be able to proactively address issues that we thought were pertinent to missionaries, to cross-cultural ministry, and to the Church of God around the world. So on the one side, in terms of, of missions, it was very much coming out of our own experience, um, as adult missionaries, but then also all the way back to our childhoods as mission kids, things that we really wanted to try in order to support our missionaries here in the region better, to enable them to, to best fulfill the calling on their lives. Um, and then at the same time that we were transitioning, Patrick was in the midst of writing the book uh, Mosaic, a journey across the uh, Church of God. And so he had been traveling to every continent every region, um, visiting churches of God and leaders, interviewing, finding out how they do church in their particular context. And he learned in that process that there were some, there, three especially key issues that almost every church and every leader was facing, no matter the culture, no matter the, the location. And so, uh, we decided we wanted to proactively address those issues as well. So those were the two um, primary facets and that led to the vision of, of three worlds and how we wanted to approach ministry in this region. So what were those three things? Yeah. Yeah, well, the, the thing that I saw in almost every single country that I visited was that uh, there were a lack of young people in the churches. And even if some of the countries have quite a, quite a lot of young people, like in certain countries in Africa, um, there was no system of kind of mentoring and training and raising them up into ministry and into leadership. Uh, so the, the very first thing was to engage young people uh, in, in ministry and cross-cultural ministry and reach out to, to the young generation. Um, the second thing was to support uh, empowered and accountable leaders under the age of 45. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that age division there is because pretty much everywhere we had plenty of pastors and people 
in leadership over the age of 45. But for when we started the millennial generation and Gen X all around the world, there was, there was really very, very little to, to help a, a young person through the process of, of getting into ministry or on the mission field. So we wanted to really, really create systems that would surround these young people because what was happening was without those systems, we were having a lot of kids uh, in the U.S. even, you know, they go to seminary, they go to their first church, nobody walks with them. It turns out to be a bad experience and then they just leave ministry at the age of 23, 24. That was happening all over. And so we really needed to be able to create systems that, that, that walk alongside the young people. And then the last thing was creating interconnectivity between the different countries. Um, pretty much everywhere I went, most countries you had a number of churches and they had very little interaction with each other. Um, oftentimes they didn't even have like an annual national meeting. Um, sometimes people in neighboring countries <laughs> didn't even know there was a church of God in the country next to them. So the, the amount of balkanization and division was very, very, very extreme. Mm -hmm. So what we wanted to do was create this network that, that would connect all of our 14 countries so that we're in constant, not just interaction and communication, but even synergy, working with different ministries, supporting each other, visiting each other. And that's really incredible to see. Yeah, I think that connect connectivity is like so, so important. The the thing that Three Worlds does with that. So how how many years has it been now? And kind of more like, so we started there. What are we doing now? And um, how do you get some of those things accomplished today? Yeah, well, well, we are in our 11th year now of doing this. And it's it's been an incredibly successful run. I don't say that bragging. I say that because we, our goals were so modest inside. Like we had a big vision, the one we just detailed on the outside, but, but walking into it deep down, we were like, man, we're going to be lucky to pull off, you know, even half of one of these things because the, the odds just seem too, you know, huge against us. So it was really a, a miraculous God thing that the team that he brought to us, the supporting churches, the speed at which it happened. And interestingly enough, County Line and Nathan, you know, and Stacy were at the very beginning of the vision before we'd even come up with the logo. And I mean, it, it was just like God had ordained this moment for this brand new venture. And so, you know, the very first important piece was uh, choosing a very special kind of missionary, one that was uh, extremely global-minded, uh, missionaries that could uh, work in multiple different cultures, not just one, uh, missionaries that could operate in a traditional church or a non-Western church or a post-Christendom church. Um, missionaries that were very into teamwork and knew how to work on teams without causing conflict. Mm -hmm. uh, so we, we were really looking for missionaries that were more like consultants and synergists, mm -hmm. which was very different than the old model of just kind of sending a missionary to one country and they dig in on one ministry. Mm -hmm. So that was the first step was assembling a great team. The second step was making contact with every uh, country and every single young a person that we could find in those countries and develop relationships, find out where they were at, what their dreams were, 
we did that over the course of a couple of years so that within about four years, we were able to have our first 3WLN uh, conference, which brought together all these young leaders who uh, didn't know they existed. You know, they didn't know each other existed. So that created a, a network. And then as that was building up, we started finding even organically without us having to push it that one church in, in England might want to, now that they knew there was a church in Egypt, wanted to go visit mm -hmm. or that young people from uh, Hungary wanted to go in or vice versa. Or so all these like, you know, it became like an airport with just <laughs> things taking off and landing all the time. And that was exactly the vision that we'd had 11 years ago. And to see all of that, actually happen and really by year four was pretty miraculous very very miraculous yeah. and i'll just add on i think you know he's talking about missionaries and that you know the, the missionaries on our team are a lot more kind of like consultants and i think a big part of that you know we even when we started we kind of used the phrase you know helping the church understand missions in the 21st century mm -hmm. and the past 10 years, especially, there have been so many changes, so many transitions that the rate at which the church has changed, the rate at which technology has changed, politics, I mean, just everything um, is, is just mind blowing. And so we really view our team as bridge builders. We want people who can, who are familiar with where we've come from and have a vision for where we're going and can help across that divide because it's a huge divide in all of those areas and so um, we really do look for you know folks the people on our team are people who are really gifted at bridging those divides so. awesome yeah so you, you guys talked a little bit about your 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 missionaries and we've we've chatted with a few of them we talked with the Kims we've talked with the Langfords we're talking with the Bay Franciscos I think next week so we talked with them and it seems that almost every time we talk with, with, with them, it always comes up this conversation of, of post-Christendom. So can you guys talk a little bit about what that looks like in, in, in Europe and, and in that context and how, how do you effectively do ministry in a context like that? Yeah. Sure. But by, by post-Christendom, we, we really mean that, you know, in, in the West, especially um, beginning in the West, in Europe, and in Canada and Australia, New Zealand, and now increasingly in the United States, you had cultures that were uh, culturally Christian, very familiar with Christianity, maybe they had Christian kings, um, and uh, or the, the Catholic church was very strong, or the, or the uh, Anglican or Protestant church was very strong. And, and around after the Enlightenment in the 1700s, 1800s, uh, there was a big change in which there was the growth of a lot of uh, more modern thinking. Um, there was the rise of, um, for instance, uh, Darwinism and, and Marxism, uh, secular humanism, a belief in, in, in man more than a need for God and religion. And so a lot of those countries, uh, religion really uh, was not practiced as much. And especially after World War I and II, uh, we saw a lot of countries in Europe become very secular. People don't go to church. Maybe you have 4% of people in Germany in church on a Sunday. Um, it can get as low as like um, 2% in some countries. And so people actually, uh, even though they have 
Christmas holiday and Easter and churches everywhere, they don't actually really know about the gospel of Jesus Christ. They don't even know what the meaning of Easter is. Um, it's maybe part of their cultural heritage, but they don't, you know, they have to show up with me, but they don't actually know anything about actually and so our societies in the west have really grown in this way and become more secular and that's even happening now in non-western countries that are typically highly highly religious and you're seeing a younger generation that doesn't want to have anything to do with religion and one of the reasons is religion has brought a lot of harm and damage to these countries they didn't just decide god was a bad guy they literally, in some cases, spent hundreds of years killing each other over religion. So that embedded in them the sense that, that religion is dangerous, vile, not be public. Anyway, so what you end up having to do is you go to these countries and there's just a deep, deep prejudice or ignorance about why you would need God in the modern world, why you would need religion in the modern world. Um, whereas in non-Western societies, they start from the basic premise that the world is spiritual, that there are gods and spirits all around us. That permission first kind of introduced people to the idea of spirituality and why religion is even important, and then what Christianity is as opposed to institutional Christianity. So it's actually more difficult than taking the gospel to Africa, uh, where Christianity grows very quickly and people are inherently uh, spiritual by nature. Yeah. And here in Germany, in Germany, but in Europe in general too, the quality of life is very, very high. And so you have a lot of people who are, they are perfectly comfortable and happy and feel that they are lacking nothing. Mm -hmm. So how then do you help introduce the concept or the need of a, of a spiritual life. Yeah. It's quite challenging. Um, and, and a lot of times here in Europe, the discussion is very intellectual and heady. <laughs> so, you know, if you're not comfortable kind of launching into these really complex intellectual philosophical conversations, um, yeah, you're a goner. <laughs> and I know from uh, the other people that we talked to that you, that you work with, when they're building relationships with people there, they don't start out with that. They don't start out with faith and spirituality. They, they have all said to us, we're friends with people. <laughs> we talk about the weather. When they ask us what we do, we kind of stammer around and make something up <laughs> uh, so that um, they can have an opportunity to yeah. first build relationships with people before they take the discussion yeah. to the next level such an just a different world yeah because we always it's often in yeah it's often in moments too when when crisis hits that we all find ourselves vulnerable and so many times you know on our team we've had those moments where you know someone who who has never been interested in having any kind of a conversation of a spiritual nature suddenly some kind of crisis may arise in their life and suddenly this door is open and they know that you're a trusted person Yes. you know, who cares about them unconditionally and, and they suddenly will lean on, you know, on us or on that person, you know, and it, it, it then comes the opportunity um, to really uh, make a difference in people's lives. Yeah. And they don't want to feel like a, like a product, like you're just there to, to make a sale right. and, you know, 
and, and also telling someone that the whole fundamental way they view the world is wrong is kind of a big deal. <laughs> and you know, a lot of times American evangelicals are just like, preach the gospel, preach the gospel, blah, blah, blah. But American evangelicals themselves don't like it when Mormons or Jehovah's Witnesses knock on their door and tell them that the church they're going to is yeah. completely wrong and they need to read the Book of Mormon or something. So it's, it's kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so thankful for the work that you're doing and the thoughtfulness in really recognizing the culture. And Jamie uh, mentioned your book, Mosaic, um, where you had this opportunity to visit all these places. Patrick, can you tell us about some of the other books that you've done and what you have coming next? Uh, sure, yeah. Um, the first book I wrote is called Passport of Faith, which is an introduction to the different world religions from a Christian point of view. So like Buddhism, Taoism, Judaism, Islam. Uh, and in each, in each chapter, I, I travel to two, or diff two different countries and visit with people in those countries and have these little adventures with people that are of that faith. But I do it from a Christian perspective. So it kind of takes you on a global sightseeing <laughs> tour, uh, that, that first book. Um, my, my second book was about globalization. It was kind of a, just a shorter uh, general overview of globalization and how it interacts with Christianity. The third one was about the church of God around the world. And the fourth one was about Islam and from a Christian perspective. And that's kind of an introduction to Islam for, for Christians. Uh, and then I had another book that was about the Americanization of Christianity, which was really about what are the what are the characteristics of Christianity in the United States that are more American than they are biblical? This is really relevant right now. Yeah, that one yeah. was written. We have been having that same discussion this week. Well, yeah, it was written six years ago or seven years ago before all of this. And um, actually it's a book I'm, I'm really proud of that sold less than any of my other books so you know and it's probably the most you know timely and fitting so that's the way it goes um but that one was called in god we trust a challenge to uh, american evangelicals um and then most recently i wrote my autobiography and uh it's a, a book i have right here what a coincidence oh my goodness did wow. you do that Wow. <laughs> yes. Great. What a coincidence. Yes. It's called No Religion Required, a memoir of faith, doubt, chocolate milk, and untimely death. And it is I love a funny your captions, always your yeah. captions. <laughs> the subtitles. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. It is uh, yeah, I love those little subtitles, but um yeah, it is a it's it is meant to be a funny, funny book, hopefully. But it's, it's my story of my dream that started when I was a very little kid to be a missionary in the middle of China, some rural village somewhere. And it, it kind of follows my life on that adventure to get to China as a missionary um, and all the misadventures I had and all the wild things that God put in front of me and um, lots of embarrassing moments in there. So, but uh, underneath all that is a more serious theme, which is why does why does the world need religion, mm -hmm. and why can religion go so wrong sometimes? So even though this book is for everybody, 
Uh, it's also especially for people who have felt very wounded by the church or people who have just walked away from religion. So if you have like an uncle or a cousin or a niece or a nephew that um, is not interested in religion or Christianity um, uh, or has been hurt, I really recommend this book because this book really sympathizes with that. And I share from the point of view of someone, you know, who has been hurt a lot in the church. And so it's not a book that condemns people about their doubt, which is why both the, the word doubt and faith are in the title. So, um, yeah, and that's, and that's it. And um, we're on the next book. I, I have a novel that I wrote 10, 11 years, no, I guess 15 years ago. Yeah, that, that I just have never gotten around to getting out. And, and uh, I'd love to do that. Yeah, awesome. that sounds good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, awesome. Well, yeah, I'm, and and then we did also want to ask. Just we know Marco is 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 your son, and he's getting ready to go off to college, and we just want to hear from you guys about that and what what you're feeling with that, but also yeah. just and and how we can pray for yeah, you for Marco in his transition. Yeah. Well, he um, he is our only child. And uh, he turns 18 later this month. So huge milestone there, but he, yeah, he's in his senior year of high school and uh, right in the middle of the process of getting uh, college acceptances and trying to decide where he's gonna go in the fall. So um, yeah, he's contemplating his options and trying to find the right place for him. You can pray for him uh, as he um, looks at Financial aid. <laughs> Financial aid. I was going to say, as he looks at moving back to the USA, uh, which, yes, is his passport uh, country, but he is not very familiar at all with the USA. And uh, bless his heart, he's watching the news and wondering what on earth he's getting himself into. Yeah. Um, but so you can really pray for him in that transition, that it will go smoothly, that he will have good support systems around him as he uh, adjusts to the culture and and of course you can pray for us as we become empty nesters and yeah, not looking forward to it <laughs> not happy about it at all but but we're excited for him yeah very <laughs> excited for him awesome well yeah we will definitely be be praying for that you know that that's a big transition and like you guys said yeah he's does not know like you, uh, it's just interesting to me. He, yeah, he is a passport holder for the U.S., but new I culture. See, yeah, totally <laughs> new culture for him. So that's going to be, yeah, that's a big, big prayer request. So we'll be praying for that. Um, just thank you guys so much for for jumping on here. As a reminder to to county liners out there, this January is the month for our that we're highlighting global missionaries. So that includes Noctegals, the Tatmans, the De Franciscos. That includes the uh, the Ministry of At Home. And then Al Steiner, who we interviewed a couple weeks ago. So um, just thank you guys so much for, for being with us. And um, yeah, and just telling us a little bit of the history of Free World. That's very helpful. Uh, we talk about Free World yeah. a lot, but mm -hmm. to hear the background of how it began is, mm -hmm. is really important. So thank you. Thank you. We'll see you again. Yeah. We offer you guys a huge. Yes, we want to say thank you to all of you first. Oh, huge yeah. thank you. And Luke thank you to the that. church. Yeah, yeah, really true. <laughs> Absolutely. We appreciate it. So, all right. Well, we'll see you guys and we'll see everybody else next week. Bye. <laughs>